Hello and welcome to Loopholes, your weekly esoterotic discussion podcast, reaching episode 20 this Ooh. week. Episode 20, double... What's 10 in Roman numerals? X. 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 Double X. XXL. Double X loopholes. XXL. Yeah. Okay, I'll work on the catchphrases. <laughs> I'm Ian Bosworth. Hello. And I'm Kate Cheryl. Hello. And we have a packed episode today because of yeah. the avalanche of comments from last week's episode, which was about sleep paralysis. Mm. Who would have thought so many lunatics would listen to a podcast <laughs> about the satirotic? Yeah, and we've got the, the cream of the crop. Is it a trend at the moment? Podcast for lunatics. It is a trend, isn't it? Well, I'm glad we've tapped into it. Quite a lot in there of the uh, of the old paranormal podcasts and things nowadays. Yeah. I remember when there were just a few. I know. Yeah. It was glory days, eh? <laughs> it was lovely. Anyway, comments from last week. So a lot of you seem to have experienced sleep paralysis. Mm. I've not, but then again, I am a normal person. There's always time. We'll see. Annette Truby <laughs> said, I've always seen sleep paralysis as tapping into our unconscious fears. And when I hear stories of the hat man or aliens around the bed, etc., my first thought is sleep paralysis. It seems like the go-to sceptic's response. That's sort of what I said at the beginning of the episode last mm. week, which is this is kind of open and shut. Like, m- many of the stories that you hear about people seeing ghosts yes. are more likely to be mm-hmm. sleep paralysis. Yes, if they're waking up in bed at night and seeing... This and that, yeah. It seems like it seems like an open and shut case. Well, there would be symptoms of sleep paralysis. Yeah. So if, say, a doctor was looking at you, mm-hmm. they'd go, sleep paralysis. <laughs> they wouldn't go, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> they might, they might. Let me call my uncle Egon Spengler. <laughs> Dylan Spicer, great episode. Thank you, Dylan. Sleep paralysis is a weird one for me, as it's something I've experienced myself. Uh, and Dylan said that they woke up to see a person made of black, featureless smoke, walk across the room and sit on Dylan's chest. The weirdest thing for me, this is Dylan again, is that it really felt like a person sitting on your chest rather than just a nondescript weight. And unlike a dream, it faded away rather than snapping back into reality like a dream would. Let me absolutely stress, I don't think there was anything paranormal happening and the fact I was hungover, had undiagnosed sleep apnea and was sleeping on my back on a camping mattress was clearly to blame. My experience was identical to other people's paralysis experiences though that I have read about subsequently. Mm. There are quite a few ubiquitous tropes, really, aren't there, in sleep? Yeah. Like falling in your sleep. Yes. And having that thing where you jolt in the bed because you're yeah. falling, you feel weightlessness. Mm. That's a common trope through all humans, I presume. You know. Yeah, it's like an evolutionary hangback, isn't it? So that would be another explanation, I suppose, for there being, uh, again, common tropes in this. I mean, that's, I guess it's a bit more specific, though, isn't it? Like the look of something. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, this I think this leads in quite nicely to something that PJ said. Carl Jung talked of the collective unconscious, a genetic ancestral memory all humans inherit, rather like we inherit instincts that are expressed via myths and symbols that reoccur across separate cultures and different time periods, a part of human nature, I suppose. Perhaps the old hag motif, and much esoteric imagery for that matter, are things from the collective unconscious that bubble up when the boundary between normal waking consciousness and unconsciousness is thin, like in disturbed sleep states, meditative states, psychedelic-induced states. Mm. I think that's an interesting point that a lot of people seem to have tapped into, is that there are the similarities of like the, the pressure on the chest, the old hag. And we said that you know this is cultural and there are cultural variations. But, but there's also, also cultural is, is man-made itself. Yeah, but we also spoke about how, or you did, you spoke about how it didn't necessarily follow trend with culture. So it wasn't, you know, there were people across all cultures and across all different societies mm-hmm. who were experiencing things that could loosely be determined as being the same thing yeah. in terms of what they saw. Yeah, and that's that's kind of... That's the weird little bit to it for me, which is why do two different cultures see the same image? Yeah. And how does that tie... Because you can say about the influence of... Like, I mentioned The Wizard of Oz and things like that last week. Mm-hmm. You can say about the influence of that, but if that influence hasn't reached mm-hmm. the other places who are also experiencing these visions of old hags and all that sort of thing then that's where it gets a little bit murky for me a bit interesting yeah well i think hazel quinlan on on mine brought up a really interesting point that we didn't think of right last week i find that very very unlikely (laughs) it rarely happens but when it does i can't imagine (laughs) hazel of all people coming up with something that i didn't come up with i think that's very unusual go on but it's a good point and 
I've no idea, so this is throwing it open I probably to the... Will. I'll probably know. What is it? <laughs> throwing it open to Ian and yeah. the esoterotic community. Mainly Ian, go on. And Hazel asks, do people across the world see an old hag in sleep paralysis, see a hag that's the same ethnicity as them? Like, would a Japanese person see a Japanese hag? Right. Or is there a diverse international demon hag organisation operating oh, across the globe? Hazel. If it's the second one... I would like to join this. Oh, Hazel. You, you, well, it's I a mean, good point. I, I, honestly, I'm, I'm reluctant to say this, but you're oh, Hazel, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it's an old hag, it's a witch. They're all green. Witches are green. Oh, God, yeah. I'm, I'm Think so about it, Hazel. I'm sorry. Um, interesting point. I don't know. That's yeah. That yeah. is interesting. But uh, is there other records being kept of this? Well, <laughs> is there a sleep paralysis dossier somewhere? Maybe. I mean, I I know a few people that have done quite intensive study mm. on out of body experiences and things like mm. that, but haven't quite had time to pick their brains yet. But how would we even find out that? Well, I don't know. I mean, would that even be a pertinent question to ask in surveys of sleep paralysis? Would people think to ask? Yeah. If they're more scientifically minded and yeah. they're just wanting a quite standard survey to then study their experiences, would they bring race and culture into that survey? Well, one would presume that wherever this was being logged, if someone mm. was talking about these experiences to someone, it would probably be within their own country and culture. Yeah. I, I guess it would only be brought up if it was different to the person, maybe? Yeah, perhaps. perhaps I'm, I'm speculating purely on that. That's not, I've, I've got no idea, but that it's an interesting point, yeah. yeah. Sorry for calling you an idiot, Hazel. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, Hazel, I think what it was is I was getting quite nervous throughout the last two comments because I am party to some information at the moment that nobody else is party to, which is that I'd started reading my comments. Mm -hmm. Kate jumped in with her comments, which is every right to do. Thank you. But I knew that the next comment on mine would have been Matt Ebbs. And Matt Ebbs knows it would have been him as well. So Matt Ebbs at the moment is probably flouncing about, chucking his toys out of the pram, yeah. getting really angry and going, well, what? I am the, why didn't you even read my comment first? I know. First or last? <laughs> it'll be going right yeah exactly I bet, I bet you're anything when Kate said well actually that leads into a nice comment from mine I bet Matt Ebbs at that point went right <laughs> and he's already writing another comment at the moment yeah. all in caps <laughs> uh, Matt Ebbs the cult mountain goat <laughs> remember my cult that I started on my Patreon Matt was the mountain goat <laughs> I've had a few instances of sleep paralysis. Um, it's interesting reading other accounts of it on both yours and Kate's Patreon, as it does seem very inspired by cultural fears and backgrounds. The one time I actually hallucinated with sleep paralysis, in inverted commas, Matt's put that in inverted commas, mm -hmm. a zombie version of River Song from Doctor Who was crawling up my bed to attack me and I couldn't move. I was going through a bit of a zombie phase in my horror fandom at the time, so it all seems to track. I don't know what River Song is. It's the a lady. Okay. Well, <laughs> I haven't watched it in many years. Well, Matt saw a zombie version of a lady. Okay. <laughs> climbing up his bed. I think I've said before, which is probably relatable to this, mm. about pareidolia. Mm. That if you're looking up at clouds, which is the most common reference point yes. for pareidolia, yeah. you look at the clouds. And so pareidolia, if you don't know, is when you see things, your brain fills in the gaps, essentially. Mm -hmm. You see a shape of something and you say, that looks like... Yes. whatever it's a brain trick is, is all that mm -hmm. you know it's your, it's your brain searching for information as far as yes. i'm aware but if you look in the sky and you go oh that cloud looks like freddy mm -hmm. you'd need to know freddy in the first place to mm. make that connection mm. so as matt says if it's something that's i presume it's designed to be frightening river song no oh is it not is no it... no she's 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 a goodie Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a Doctor Who. No, Matt. it's not like a Dalek or anything. Okay. Yeah, but Matt, you know what Matt's like. Matt's soft as arse, isn't he? You know, Matt'll... <laughs> <laughs> he probably get scared by goodies, doesn't he, Matt? <laughs> I bet he'd scream and run away from Chewbacca, Matt Ebbs. Yeah. But you need to have the cultural reference yourself mm -hmm. in order to then go on to see it in hallucinations yeah. or in Paradoli or whatever. Uh, Abby said, a few years ago I started sleeping on my back in an effort to slow my wrinkles. Does that, does that work? Um, if it works, Abby, let me know, because I'm looking awful at the minute. Let me just have a quick look at Abby's picture. Doesn't, it doesn't work. Oh, that's and, so cruel. And, I had, and I've had sleep paralysis. I couldn't even see your picture, Abby. That was, <laughs> that was all a complete lie. I think I'm in that sort of mood. Um, and I've had, this is Abby saying this, wrinkly old Abby saying this. 
And I've had sleep paralysis a few times since then. Mm. Never before that. I was never afraid since I knew about the phenomenon from podcasts and friends telling me about it. My eyes were closed and never saw anything. I simply do the wiggle your big toe trick mm-hmm. and my body unlocks and then I just go back to sleep. But it's still a weird feeling. I What's that, the wiggling your toes? I did that for, I'm not sure if that counts. with. Does that go with sleep paralysis or with lucid dreaming? Personally, when I used to have really, really bad nightmares right. and used to have that flicker of consciousness, you know, like you know you're in a dream. Yeah. And it happens very rarely. But if that happens and you're in a nightmare, one way to kind of get yourself out of that is right. to to make a small movement. Yeah, I do it. So I have a thing. This started when I was a very, very young child mm. when I'd seen American Wealth in London. Yeah. Too young to see it. Yeah. And there's a bit in it where there's a dream scene where somebody mm-hmm. gets their throat slit. Yes. And I had a dream about that. Mm-hmm. A similar thing to that. Where a disembodied hand crawled up me mm-hmm. while I was in bed and slit my throat with its fingernail. Mm. Where I had this dream. And I learnt that night and it subsequently worked. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten. Sometimes my dreams will really bother me and it won't work mm-hmm. where they'll go no no it's not a dream and you're like oh no oh, yeah, and it actually yeah. is a dream um, and it's literally putting my head tilting my head right the way back mm-hmm. till the back of my head hits my shoulders that's what i've got to do if i do that with my mouth open in the dream and it wakes me up see i always used to just roll my eyes like do a circuit of the room with my eyes okay as fast as i could and really point similar thing that's a similar yeah, thing then. and it always worked but that was a similar thing like like when i was younger i came downstairs to find my mother watching i think it was child's play it was one of the okay. chucky films right again i was far too young to be seeing that yeah which is arguably a hell of a lot softer than american werewolf in london Oh, American Wealth in London is kind of funny though as well. It's very yeah, tongue in cheek. It's, it's very I mean, tongue in cheek. It still upsets me greatly. Yeah, it's cartoony though, isn't it? <laughs> and we're gonna have an argument about this. It right? is though. It's, it's the buses, all the bus, all that business. Yeah, but it's just ridiculous. It's schlock. Oh, is what it's... it is. It's not proper visceral real. Well, it's no, schlocky. But I can't watch any of that visceral real stuff because it's Rick I cry. Baker. It's prime Rick Baker. The well, maple. Yes. It's brilliant. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that it's yeah. brilliant. But anyway, let me talk about my childhood trauma. Okay. So I came downstairs because I couldn't sleep. And my mum was, I think she was working in the living room. And she just had it on in the background. Didn't even realise that it was on. Yeah. And when I came down, it was one of the Chucky attacking someone scenes. Okay. And I sort of only saw a few seconds of it. But that image stuck with me. Mm. And sort of distorted into sort of more of a clown type thing. Right, okay in my childhood and then this sort of chucky clown hybrid for like a couple of years was a bit of a familiar nightmare trope right i i think you know people potentially underestimate the effect of gore and horror Mm. like you know it's become very culturally accepted as a thing to kind of laugh at or you know enjoying being scared and that i'm not by the way calling for it to be banned or anything like that but i think i think people perhaps sometimes underestimate Mm -hmm the effect heightened emotions like that can have on you. So yeah. just I mean, just watching someone screaming mm. in a film, I think you can underestimate how much that goes into you Yeah. on a human level. I feel like it's had more of an impact on me. Things like horror, things with very extreme mm. emotion in them, have hit me harder the older I get. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I, I'm not saying that we're kind of Mary Whitehouse-style ban this but, film, but, but, but I, acknowledging the, the influence that it has on you and your dreams and your consciousness. But I think sometimes people important. don't realise it's having that effect on them. Yeah, because, like you say, it's a cultural norm. Yeah, they, they yeah. don't make necessarily the connection between yeah. feeling unsettled and either what they've watched just before they've gone to bed or yeah. just how those things can hang around mm. in your subconscious and really unsettle your actual mental stability definitely and the reason i think you get more sensitive to it the older you get there's a couple of reasons that i've certainly pinpointed anyway in terms of my observations Mm -hmm. one is when people have children Mm -hmm. i don't have children nor do you so that can't be the reason but one is certainly i i've known people who were big horror fans Mm. who when they had children either cooled down or stopped completely literally that they had a completely different attitude to it Mm -hmm. and i guess for people that don't have children we can still relate the same ideas to it, which is, I think the older you get, the more horror you see in real life. Yeah. You know, the more aware you become of Definitely. how horrific the world is anyway. Yeah. And you don't want to add any more potatoes to your broth. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just Definitely. too much. Definitely. I think, you know, as a teenager, I was clamouring for video nasties. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, the most extreme rubbish gore I could find. But now, 
um, I cry at adverts. You've seen me cry yeah, at a bank uh, advert. And, and I, I, but I also have, like, I have it with video games. I can't handle violent video games anymore. Yeah, same. And like, I think Dead Space came out recently, the, the new mm-hmm. Dead Space game. I remember seeing that, that it was coming out and going, oh, Ace, because I loved Dead Space when that came out mm. years, years ago. I really yeah. enjoyed that game. And then I thought about it and thought, oh, no, I wouldn't like that now. Yeah. That's too much for me now. Between the first The Last of Us video mm-hmm. game and the second The Last of Us video game, my level of being either tolerant or desensitised to that sort of thing yeah. must have taken a hell of a shift because those two games, I, I'm not sure that they're that dissimilar. Mm. And I couldn't finish the second one. Like I had to, I had to turn really? it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's just can't handle this at all. So I think there's lots of things going on there. How do we even get onto this? We're now discussing horror and video games. <laughs> How did we get there? Was it Matt Ebbs? I think it was Matt Ebbs, wasn't it? I oh, know it was Abby. It was Wrinkly Abby. Um, <laughs> I've got to stop that. Abby, serious moment now. I can't see you on your picture. I don't know if you're wrinkly or not. I am being mischievous. Please don't take this picture. She should have gone already. She won't yeah. listen anyway, will she? Uh, Scott, by the way, said, Once when I was young, I saw Sauron in my bedroom. Off of Lord of the Rings. Is that what that's from? Is it Sauron? S A U R O N. Yes. Yeah. Not It'll have been his dad dressed up. It'll have been. <laughs> that's, that's impressive. When you saw Santa that same year, did it have elements of Sauron's costume to it? <laughs> <laughs> like it had just been fixed a bit. Yeah. Greg Harrison, the cult cat fusser, said that he'd had sleep paralysis a few times, mm-hmm. and that from my own experience, this is Craig speaking, it has always been following a nightmare, and one in particular is scarred into my memory as it involved being under attack from a witch. That I remember being terrifying. It wasn't just grot bags. And when I woke up in a panic, I didn't see anything. I was unable to move for a short period, which in itself is quite freaky. But it was just a dream. And I'd probably just been reading too many Tim and Tobias books at the time. Tremendous episode. Thanks to you both, as always. Uh, Craig also said, lovely to hear the return of Simply and the King. I'm still hoping the t-shirts will go on sale soon. <laughs> we were listening back to some old episodes just to vet them for public release. And heard me say, I promise they will be out for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we little optimists. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll try and get it sorted yeah. at some point, Craig. Yeah, you better have a good as well. We're looking forward to those sweet, sweet royalties. Oh, there's no royalties for you two. I've invented yeah. you. I've invented Simply and the King. There better have be royalties. Hey, don't raise your voice to me, He's young man, mouth, please. I've got a date with Martin McKitchen. No, don't you, you better learn to say her name right. <laughs> We go on that date simply. And I promise if you learn it, I will learn it as well how to say it. But I'm pretty sure it's not McKitchen. <laughs> so Craig was saying pretty much what we've just been saying. You mm. know, that the potential influence. I don't know what Tim and Tobias is. Do you know what that is? No, no idea. No, neither do I. But it's probably porny horror if I know Craig Harrison. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think what it is is I think this week, we've had so many comments and very lengthy comments as well. Yeah. I think perhaps what I'm trying to do subconsciously mm-hmm. is like offload some listeners <laughs> <laughs> yeah. really whittle them down yeah it might yeah, be that okay, it might be that so don't, don't be drawn in by me behaving like this listener uh, jeff d said i just wanted to recommend a book to anyone who would like to read more on the topic the nocturnal brain by guy leshzina potentially mm-hmm. l-e-s-c-h-z-i-n-e-r i can't recommend that myself because i don't know what it's about and for all i know he's recruiting for his own cult <laughs> Oliver Wood said this is another one of the you know, I'm just trying to too many people commenting thank you too many of you that far too many <laughs> your podcasts are fantastic okay Oliver can always comment yeah thanks Oliver I hope people come here upon the understanding that this is a very difficult thing to do <laughs> because you're both really great at what you do thank you Oliver that's, that's a lovely. lovely but it was but do you think he, do you think Oliver meant us for us or maybe it's like you know how hard this is like you sports day, mate. like you know, yeah. like a, a kid with one leg at sports day. Do you realise how difficult it is for him to finish the sack race? <laughs> Could you not laugh quietly, please? Sorry, you let... I just wasn't quite expecting that, but yeah, okay. Nice. No, but you know what I mean, though. Like, yeah. it, it's. I just want to make sure that Oliver doesn't mean specifically us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tim Dawson, the cult gardener. I've always assumed sleep apnea played a part in this kind of thing because the experience seems to be somewhat linked, particularly with the choking aspect. Few people brought up sleep apnea. Yeah, but I suppose also that that flies against the the amount of children that seem to experience it and also the natural shallow breathing of... Yeah, but only dream, if you know... Like they, may, they might have been sleeping on the back. Sleep apnea isn't exclusive to adults, is it? No, but I think you can develop it in adulthood because a yeah, lot of it's but, like a weight and lifestyle related, isn't it? But wouldn't it still be... 
this wouldn't it be cool that if you just lay on your back and choked yourself essentially by accident you know in your sleep if you throw that's still sleep apnea isn't it i don't know where where the venn diagrams kind of cross over i, I just think i just assumed that it was all one and the same is it just all blokes like me is that what sorry, is that <laughs> Have I got that on the way? Because I don't think I have that. Most of my knowledge about sleep apnea comes from a very specific episode of Jonathan Creek. Right, okay. So let's not pretend I've got any medical qualifications. Well, the final comment from mine is Rinksy, the cult naysayer. That's Mm -hmm. important, by the way. Yes. I've had sleep paralysis numerous times. Good. But (laughs) But not in the last 10 years or so. Oh, well. Every time it happened, it was during a nightmare when I was being pursued by something unseen. When I woke, I was in full-on terror of the pursuer Mm. and unable to move. In that moment, the fear was very real and it felt like the pursuer, still unseen, was in the room with me. But I gradually became aware that it was the remnants of a dream and the fear and paralysis faded. I've never thought there was anything otherworldly about it. P.S. The podcast was rubbish. (laughs) Now, again, I would reference you back to that Rinksy and the cult that I formed was the cult naysayer. So Rinksy now... I would imagine it's quite a liberating feeling for Rinksy to do this. Yeah. yeah. He's able to go onto my Patreon on, on pretty much every post at the moment. And just insult you. And say it's rubbish. God, <laughs> he Rinksy locked out when he chose that job, didn't he? Chose it himself <laughs> as well, by the way. Yeah. I didn't allocate any of these roles. They all chose their own roles. So, yeah. I mean, it could be quite sinister, this, couldn't it? There could be a conspiracy to this. <laughs> with what's going on with Rinksy. Yeah. I have nothing to say about your comment there, Rinksy. I found it pretty dull. What other ones have you got there? <laughs> got a... a- Quite a few lovely ones here. Warren is the only person who commented yeah. to feel sorry for my mother. Okay. Who got one hell of a personality-based kicking None last week. taken, Warren. So, <laughs> Warren feels sorry for your mum at the idea of her being romantically linked to me. Oh, that's it. Thanks. Thanks, Warren. It's me that's got to date someone who's only got a personality. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going on to the different comments now, so shush. Right, Tango of the Robes, another of your cult folk, yes. <laughs> said... If Ian is squeamish about thinking about the brain being a thing within the body, yeah. don't let him know that the average number of brains in humans is higher than one due to pregnancies. Right, okay, so and yeah. I know that was meant to make you feel a bit squiddly. Don't bother me that. That really makes me feel Does a bit it? sick. Does it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> they have two brains in your body when you're pregnant. Don't, I don't, oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no I don't, I, that, that doesn't bother me. It's more the intricacies. If you're looking for something to upset me with, Tango, what you need to do is go into the biological intricacies. Of yeah. it. Like, gore and things will do it, definitely. Yeah, yeah, well, apparently we found out what makes me want to vomit. Anything about jelly? You know, the oh, jelly okay, yeah. consistency of a brain, that'll do it for me as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll get into that later. Please So, don't. Lewis Walker said... Um, another great episode with the point about the first ghosts dr irving finkel i think i referenced one of the things he'd studied in the ancient mesopotamian ghosts right dr irving finkel in his book first ghosts mentioned that those mesopotamian tablets talk about how spirits would enter the body via the ear when someone was asleep causing psychological and physical pain it seems that there's been a long-held connection between sleeping and the esoterotic okay yeah it's a, a fantastic if dense book that first ghost it's fantastic guess, yeah well that uh, sleeping is a is a weird thing to do it is like when, you, when you think about it yeah you know the actual body shutting down losing consciousness in terms of reality yeah replacing that with a fictional consciousness mm-hmm. things like you were talking about the spinal column being shut down and all those sorts of things you know even when it's running to plan sleep is a weird thing mm. dreams are a weird thing yeah so I guess it's the only near tangible, and I know it's not entirely tangible, but near tangible thing. It's the only generally accepted thing mm-hmm. in normal life. Yeah. It's the closest thing to the not generally accepted thing of ghosts and the paranormal. Not everybody accepts that mm-hmm. as being factual, but everyone accepts that we dream. No one goes, no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> no, you don't. Now you're making that up. Nonsense, yeah. you don't dream. You know, it's accepted. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's the closest thing to the fantastical aspect yeah. that people who are into the esoterotic and the paranormal and what have you yeah. bang on about being real yeah i suppose it's the closest we get to experiencing preemptive death yeah and you can fly you know what i mean yeah. sometimes in dreams yeah. you know you can do things that are actually impossible yeah and experience them in yeah, a very like, first person yeah, way kind of know. experience a separation of the consciousness yeah, yeah yeah so i guess that that would perhaps be why there would be that link so mm. much to it because it's it's really quite close an idea but also by the same token because we experience those things in a sleep state or a dream state i guess 
for some people, that would make them more susceptible to believing, well, surely that must be real. Yeah, I suppose it's little wonder that study of sleep and the study of out-of-body experiences and things mm. like that sort of intersect. Do they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, to a, to a point. But again, you know, I just said that most of my knowledge of sleep apnea comes from Jonathan Creek. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, let's not trust anything. No. I say. Tia Ministo says, as an old hag in the making, I'm torn <laughs> in between being excited about the prospect of scaring people just by looking at them and the depressing idea that by default I would be classed as a horror trope. Have a quick look at Tia's picture. Yeah, you, you say in the making. <laughs> <laughs> There's literally no picture here. Tia, believe me. Believe me, it's just the comments. There's no images. Is in one of those moods. Ooh. Look, I, I said I'd take him to a McDonald's as a treat, and now he's got giddy. <laughs> <laughs> and Annette Truby, who is still cult comms, yes. said that they grew up in Catholicism with a very superstitious Irish mum, so ghost stories were part of my childhood. When my sleep paralysis started, we lived in a house that had a few unexplained happenings, and my mum said she could see three spirits in our home. Right. And so in her experiences of sleep paralysis or, or strange dreams, she said that she would see the light under her door break from someone's feet standing there. And she'd hear him walk to her bed and see light glint off the blade as he swung his axe down at me. I do wonder if I'd seen the hat man, would I have been more likely to think it was a ghost? An axe murderer disappearing is clearly not real. But a ghost, by definition, can appear and disappear. Yeah, so that's the thing I said to you mm. last week that was a comment on something else that Annette left. Yeah. That idea of... I don't, I'd say what the other thing to bear in mind is, and I think it's an interesting point, which is moments where you wake, between a, a dream and waking, mm-hmm. has a, potentially a very warped sense of time. Mm. This was explained to me once years ago when I'd had a, a horrible nightmare in a, in a hotel, mm-hmm. it was. And I... Uh, in in this hotel, I was speaking with this kind of demonish, devilish sort of figure, mm-hmm. and I was saying to it, "You're not real. You're not a real thing." And this thing said to me, "Well, if I'm not real, how can I turn your television on?" And clicked its fingers, and then the television in the hotel room mm. came on and woke me up. Right. That's upsetting. That's upsetting. I absolutely agree. However, mm-hmm. the reality of that situation is. All of that backstory, me remembering that that happened in the dream, mm-hmm. can happen after. Right. So basically, when that telly came on and jolted me out of sleep, mm-hmm. your brain can then just fill that all in. Yeah. So you remember it the other way around. Yeah. That mm-hmm. that happened in the order that I just said it yeah. to you. But the reality of that would have been, it either happened in a split second mm-hmm. in real time, but in my brain, the memory of that filled a greater period of time. Does that make sense? Do you yes, know what I mean? Yeah. So so for me, it, so in real life, it was 0.5 of a second. Mm-hmm. The television came on, woke me up, and in that 0.5 of a second, my brain created that entire story at that point. Yeah. Then I remembered that as being what had happened. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how quickly the brain can create these false memories. Yeah, if that's well, what you believe it's I'm, I'm, I'm sure somebody has done that. No, yeah. it, it doesn't even have to be a false memory. It's something that, you know what I'm like for making... St- like, I... Well, I was going to say, I could make that story up myself. Mm -hmm. I have made that Mm -hmm. story up myself, ultimately. Yeah. Because that that was my dream. Yeah. You you know, so the fact that I'm able to come up with things like that Mm -hmm. means that, of course, I'm susceptible to frightening myself with it. It was very frightening. Well, yeah, I can imagine. In the moment. But it was explained to me afterwards that, you know, that idea that your brain can just fill in. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember once when I was, um, I think, in my 20s, my... Hi-fi <laughs> turned right. on of its own volition in the early hours of the morning, very loudly. Yeah. Um, playing the Sugar Babes push the button. Okay. okay. Really loudly. Yeah. My brain didn't fill in any gaps. Right. But I've avoided that song actively hammering really? off radio stations really? ever since. <laughs> you ever spray slashing into sport in your mouth as well? <laughs> These things just happen. I know. Before yeah. people write to me and say, you know what, that's really weird. It's not uh, weird. <laughs> it's reality, mate. Okay, what else have you got? Paul Rawlings said, brilliant episode as always. Thank you very much, Paul. Now, Paul spoke to us before. Spoke to us. He called yeah. in to our free phone line. Had the audacity yeah. to address <laughs> us directly. Yeah. And he told us before that he'd had um, that weird experience with the Victorian schoolboy and mm. the glass of water. Yeah. And he said that years later, he was talking in his sleep one night and was apparently still seeing the same boy in the corner of the room. Right. So he was having the same general dream. 
And he'd be curious to know if it was the case that the dream was no longer activating his terror marshmallow. Yes. Brackets TM. Yeah. And so it wasn't developing into sleep paralysis. Or was it more the other way round? He wasn't having sleep paralysis, which meant that his terror marshmallow was left alone. And so he just didn't remember the dream. Right. I think it's interesting. We keep, if you're getting reoccurring nightmares that then change from sleep paralysis to just regular dreams, yeah. where those motifs kind of sit in your subconscious well recurring dreams are a thing people do have recurring dreams where they'll do the same thing or mm-hmm. things on the same theme as you say over and over again mm-hmm. and you know you mentioned that sleep paralysis that is actually a biological malfunction ultimately yeah. so you would presume that that biological malfunction doesn't always happen it happens from time to time mm. and i guess people are, some people are more susceptible to it than others maybe i don't know i don't know what the actual medical evidence is yeah. for it but just because i guess one time sleep paralysis was tied into a particular theme doesn't mean that you're now uh, free of that theme mm. if it's not sleep paralysis yeah okay. do we need to own our nightmares it's getting complicated it really is it's getting it? complicated well don't worry let's talk to a drummer and a goat so finally (laughs) there was a lovely little back and forth between um callum mccarthy the cult drummer not that cult yeah and matt ebbs cult mountain goats of course so callum callum said that on sleep paralysis he totally gets that it does happen for some people but thinks that it might be overblown with how many people do experience it right says he remembers in school it was one of the cool things to experience and pretty much everyone in his set. Now, he was in the top set. Okay, well done. Get me? Well good. done, Callum. Same, me too. And look where I am now. I wasn't. I was in... Uh, so there was A1 and A2. I was in A2, which supposedly were the same level, but you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm fine with it. But everyone in his set claimed yeah. to have experienced it. Top set. Top set. And, um, <laughs> and he could experience in this TikTok age where everyone wants to be popular. It's a cool thing to claim to have experienced and to talk about. I think that's interesting. Particularly if you're a swatty boffin as well. If you're a swatty boffin, you know, you want to seem like you're cool, don't you? You're just jealous that you're not in top set, mate. So they probably would have been like... Second set loser. They'd have probably been giving it like, oh yeah, I've had sleep paralysis, I'm I'm one of the kids. (laughs) Oh, what's that? What's that? You're you're only in second set, so you can't do separate sciences for GCSE. Oh, I'm so sorry. I did, actually. I did. Did you? Yeah. How did that go? Oh, my GCSEs first time round were an absolute debacle really yeah yeah they really were i was sleeping with girls yeah. and then i didn't learn my lesson and did it all over again <laughs> at university <laughs> and i i regretted nothing <laughs> nothing you hear me yeah and i do it again <laughs> yeah i did very well in my gcse's well done virgin yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh because my mum's listening i can't say anything else to that so let's go on to what matt ebbs has said but speaking um, of virgins <laughs> um matt ebbs says i don't disagree with you i.e callum yeah about the possible reason for its prevalence being coolness because for some reason mm. people have allowed ebbs to be a teacher yeah yeah, yeah. Well, of course he's a teacher of course absolute power trip of a life oh that, that yeah okay sorry i take it all back yeah. of course he's a teacher it's gonna be teacher or copper wouldn't it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> He says um, kids latch on to the weirdest things. But is there a possibility that the percentage of younger people who experience sleep paralysis is naturally higher? Mm. He says, anecdotally, anyone I've heard of having it, um, it was much more common when they were younger. And he believes that teenagers have poorer quality sleep too. Mm. Would these be contributing factors? Then did Callum say, shut up, Matt. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What would you know about anything? (laughs) Yeah, oh, what's that, Matt? Go to the staff room yeah. and have your communal coffee. Shut up, Matt, I'm in top set. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm always semi-reluctant to push the idea of saying, oh, they're just all making it up. Same. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's uh, semi-reluctant, not entirely reluctant. No, but... it's it's a good point, especially as far as TikTok's concerned. Right, okay. Because... And following a theme and following, you know, pe- people yes. following a trend. I think there's, because obviously neither of us really grew up with the same level of internet access and certainly social media it access. Well, internet just wasn't, wasn't a thing. Yeah, it didn't exist. Yeah. When I was that age, we were getting all our facts from coal. <laughs> For my ninth birthday, my stepdad, my soon-to-be stepdad, yeah. I think, um, bought me a dictionary. That's good. So that that was what life was like in the before times. There was none of your iPhones yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a landline and a Collins dictionary. But um, I find it really interesting that TikTok comes up because I'm not on TikTok. Mm. I only see them when they've been cross-posted with the platforms okay. because I don't understand them. 
but there does seem to be a lot of psychologists and like mental health professionals, professionals in any in any field, yeah, who go onto TikTok to try and sort of clear up certain elements of misinformation, right? Okay. that have been spread around. Like it's understandable that people want validation for what they're experiencing, or yeah. or they want diagnosis. And as we know, you know, in this country, certainly trying to get an appointment for anything's really difficult yeah and so then misinformation can cycle really quickly and be attributed to different things that aren't really relevant Mm. whereas the people in the know try and help as much as they can but no one can move as fast as the internet so i think it's a good point well there we go that's the comments for this week a bumper crop not Mm. sure how we're going to record the rest of the episode because this is like way long oh god and it's not like I've got many notes at all, is it? No, you've got a lot there, haven't you? You made it's me be read... quite dense. I read scientific papers. Yeah, yeah. I oh. played Tomb Blast. <laughs> Let's crack on. Welcome to the well, welcome to the episode you've been listening to for the best part of an hour. <laughs> right. So after a team consultation, yes, we have decided that our big hefty chit chat chin wag about brain business. Is that what, so what was it about? Is that it, was, it was a further deep dive into terror marshmallows and crash helmets. Yeah. Okay. So I'll leave that. Well, it was someone ages ago mentioned it, didn't they? Yes. About the God helmet? Yes, the God helmet. Who was it? Rob Graves, I want yes. to say. Might not be the real name. But <laughs> Rob Graves, ages ago, this is mm. like probably half a year ago, this, yeah. mentioned that. And I, I think I said at the time, oh yeah, I'd like to talk about that. We never got around to it. Yeah. But it's quite lofty and scientific and stuff, isn't it? Depends which way you look at it, which is why I find it quite interesting. All right, I'm confident that you will look at it in a lovely okay, and scientific okay, way. Okay. And also, we had another thing come in from Nikki Williams, which is about the Enfield haunting. We've been chatting about Enfield all day today. Yeah, in yeah. inverted commas. And this big, huge paper of information, which I actually want to read. I know, it's a miracle. This is the first time. No, but we I can really have a do. book club together. No, but I really do, because I'll tell you what, because yeah. I've discussed the Enfield case on the Parapod, on mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the the old podcast, and that was in the manner of the Parapod, so it was silly yes. and funny and all the rest yeah, of it, yeah. with some serious points. However, I'm still interested in that as a case. I still think it's absolute nonsense. Mm-hmm. And Nikki Williams sent us this, what was it, a thesis? It was a thesis. Yeah, yeah. A, a, like a big, like... 700 page document yeah it was a thesis and then some yeah and when i saw that come Mm. through i was like i think i want to read that yeah and then i started thinking maybe we could do a loopholes that was four hours long you know what i mean (laughs) maybe we could do we we go through it yeah not something that you'd expect someone to listen to in one sitting yeah or you could do like four eps of specials maybe even patron exclusives whatever it was seasonal specials yeah but just things that because it's going to be dense that isn't it it's going to be i'd be up for that yeah. But you know that, like, 40 minutes in, I'm going to start acting, as I've just been acting in the comments, where I'm a bit tired. Yeah, well, it's all right. Well, and I just start <laughs> saying that people are wrinkly and not to contact us ever again. I'll just make sure <laughs> that I've got the wine in. Yeah. And so, at some point, I'll just be so That's drunk that I can blot you out and That's just keep good. talking about going. You'd have to hold the reins with that. You'd oh, have to. Okay. Okay. Because you're also okay. smart enough to understand it. When I had a little read through it, I was like, okay, I could probably get through this. I'm still reading this book about Houdini. Mm-hmm. It's like an absolute brick, this book. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a hefty huge. one. Yeah. It? Yeah. I was really enjoying reading it, but the last time I read it was out in the garden in the sun, so that's how long ago yeah. it was. Because <laughs> this has been recorded now in the middle of winter. But I was really enjoying it, but it was like it was hard to get through. And I'm not yeah. like... I'm not a poor reader. I'm I'm no. I'm a decent reader. I read Shakespeare. I've no real problem with that at all. Mm. But sometimes things just are a bit dense, and mm-hmm. I start finding it boring yeah. when it's so dense. But when that file came through about the Enfield case, which mm-hmm. was a, I think is quite critical, incredibly, yeah, the yeah, stuff yeah. that went on at Enfield, mm-hmm. and was stopped for a while. Is this correct by the SPR? It wasn't. Certainly wasn't endorsed by them. Right, but. I've got a lot of reading to do around that as well because yeah, okay. I've always wondered why was there such a such a big kickoff about this this thesis cover up mate conspiracy theory. conspiracy theory. cover up yeah god this Venn diagram is just getting it's thicker and thicker <laughs> I've always been very resistant to conspiracy theories mm-hmm. and I think that crumbled today when I had a conversation with a lady that I know at my local post office yeah <laughs> when I've not been able to send stuff to America for ages from the art that I do on yeah. Etsy and uh, I've been getting quite fed up about it really because mm. I've lost quite a lot of work yeah. and uh, ergo quite a lot of money yeah. and I was speaking to her about it and she thinks that 
there hasn't been a cyber attack. The reason given was it's a cyber attack and that's why they can't post things to America. Mm. And it's been like over a month now. Oh, it's, that I'd say longer it. than that. And she said, yeah. somebody that works at the post office, not the Royal Mail, the mm-hmm. post office, said she believes that there was no cyber attack. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> that the whole thing is a big cover-up. <laughs> <laughs> and as she was saying it, I was like, well, she works there. She's, like, she's, she's on the front line. I've yeah. got to listen, at least listen to what mm-hmm. she's saying. Yeah, fascinating. So I'm all in on conspiracy theories at the moment. <laughs> Only to a really small scale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to talk about vaccines and stuff. I'm no interested no. in that. But um, yeah, 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 I did. I, I got momentarily hooked into it as an idea because it suited my own narrative as well, which is what all conspiracy theories are. Oh, exactly. You have to suit your own narrative yeah. and, and your own prejudice, I suppose. And yeah, I, I guess I would be prejudicial at the moment mm-hmm. to the company that's stopping me selling my art in territories mm-hmm. where it sells well. Yes. Ergo, if somebody gives me a reason to think they're even bigger dicks, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to jump on it. Yeah. But we've decided, or you decided really for us, that we yes. didn't have time to discuss the thing we were going to discuss. No, because I think if we're going to get into like EMF and yeah. things like that... Yeah. We can't really cram that. We do it. We do a disservice. That's to it. fine. Yeah, I'm not from that at all. Yeah. And, and it's not our fault either. It's because the listeners all blabbered on for ages. Yeah, it's my ex's fault. What our listeners did this week is that <laughs> thing, where you know when you wake up in the morning and you go, you start telling whoever's in bed with you your dream. Mm. They don't care about your dream. Whenever that's happens to me, I've been like, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to <laughs> hear forty minutes of you telling me this weird, <laughs> long nonsensical story. Mm. But we all do it. Yeah. That's what our listeners have done this week. They've all You've read... rolled over in bed and told us of your forty-minute nonsensical dream. That's what our about listeners have done. Doctor Who characters yeah, with loads of faces. Them. <laughs> loads of them have done that this week. <laughs> what they've done this week is they've thought we are interested in their dreams. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, painfully and, fitting. And what they've done is that, and they've ruined the podcast. That's what they've done. <laughs> We're crying out for audience interaction all the time. Yeah, we love it. Yeah, and now yeah. we've got it. We're like, actually, <laughs> don't want that. Taylor's all the time for me, this. <laughs> Can you take it back, please? I always turn on, turn on the listeners at the end, always. <laughs> we know what? It's turned out well. Yes. Because now we've decided mm-hmm. not to do EMF business. Yeah. More brainy stuff. Yeah. What does that leave us room for? I mean, we could have done it in the time we've been talking now. Shush. There's us room for... Yes. Celebrity Seance Corner. Well, that's in there, but does it, though? Yes, it does. So, this week, the triumphant yeah. return of Celebrity Seance Corner. That's the jazz yeah. remix. Right, OK. We are going to be discussing the fascinating origins, yeah. medium-shaped origins, okay. of the Ouija board. So that's when I said, is it, though? That's what I meant. Because, well, how's that Celebrity Seance Corner? Because even you don't know, do you? You just had a moment then where you're like, oh my gosh, he's right. He's completely right. This does not Look, fulfil the remit. It involves, it involves a medium. This is like Ouija, what Ouija you boards just did then. are celebrities. They what? are saved it. Ouija boards are celebrities. There's mediums involved. I've been going on about yeah. bringing back celebrity seance yeah, corner yeah, for ages. Yeah. If I keep talking but and pointing at you, I you won't keeping, have a space to talk. I am keeping that pause in. No. No, I'm absolutely keeping it oh. in because you just had the moment of going, oh, <laughs> he's right. This is not what Celebrity Sounds Corner is, which is all I was saying. Right. What you just did then is the exact same thing that Harry Hill once did to me. I'm happy to drop that name because it's relevant. Yeah. Harry Hill, many years ago, cast me in TV Burp yeah. to play a character called the Couch Potato. And he put me inside a potato outfit, sent me to the Brits, wrote a load of brilliant gags for me. I wrote some as well. We wrote it together. It was all. It was great. It was going to be this big ITV Saturday night, <laughs> me on the telly doing that. Yeah. Couch Potato outside the Brits. Filmed some great stuff, ran off with busted tickets and all that sort of business. Mm-hmm. And then Harry rang me a week later and said, now, and I went, you're going to tell me that this does not fulfil the remit of the TV <laughs> verb, aren't you? And he went, yes. <laughs> we, we got so carried away with it that we just, nobody at any point just thought, apart from me in secret, yeah. thought, what's this got to do with telly? <laughs> This has got nothing to do with telly. This is a man yeah. dressed as a potato going to the Brits. The yeah. only thing this has to do with telly is the name Couch Potato. Yeah. That's it. Didn't happen. Yeah. And I've not been able to find any images of you on that Brit Awards, but I will not stop until I find a picture of you dressed as a potato I've never in front even of the, I've never seen the footage that we yeah. got that day. I never got to see it. That's true. I think the producer was sacked soon after. <laughs> 
don't know if those two things are related or not. Oh, God. Yeah. Right, so stop diverting with your tele-credentials. Well, it's not a tele-credential, is it? It's another big break that I missed. Oh, well, look, this is another big break yes. that this medium missed. Okay. See? Linky, Good. linky. Well. So, Ouija boards. Hmm. Spirit boards, as we know them. Yeah. They're little slabs with numbers and letters arranged on top of them. Yeah. People use a planchette or a glass yeah. to ask spirits to move the glass about, spell out messages, jobs are good and ghost in the room. Mm-hmm. Ouija boards, we all know that Ouija's a brand, a right. brand name. It's like one of the... Well, do we all know that? I mean, a lot of people know it. Okay, well, Ouija itself is a brand name. Yeah. But talking boards like spirit boards the actual thing itself yeah have been around for centuries okay but they gained particular popularity during the spiritualism movement kind of in right. the mid 19th century yeah during... so it was a thing this the, oh, it was the, a thing using a board to contact spirits was a thing before yes who was was it hasbro i want to say hasbro was it i think hasbro, it hasbro own it now but the, it the trademark on it they own the trademark to yeah. Ouija. we discussed this before i can't remember what you told me i don't learn things what what's we've definitely discussed was it hasbro who brought it out or hasbro have it now hasbro have it now yeah they've got the trademark to the name yes but that's been sold on over many years yeah and okay. we've we've definitely talked about the roots of the ouija board we've spoken yeah. about elijah bond before okay. and william yeah. fold i remember yeah i remember them too yeah. yeah yeah okay so elijah bond wanted to patent this board combo yeah so we had to go to the patent office and back then you had to prove that your device you know it worked that it was actually something tangible in the 19th century one of the best things about victorians and you know early into the 20th century people had big public arguments in newspapers right so it was like letters to the editor back and forth back and forth okay and the ouija board was no different so at one point the co-creators of the board aired their dirty laundry in newsprint and they talked about these meetings that had been had okay and so in these letters it was recorded that Elijah Bond, who was the patent holder, yeah. had brought his sister-in-law, a Miss Peters. Now, this person is Helen Nosworthy Peters, to um, these patent meetings because someone was needed to demonstrate the power of the board. Now, we don't know that much about Helen's career right. as a medium, but she was noted as being a strong medium. Okay. Far better than a pathetically weak medium. yeah. yeah. And when she tested the board, she asked the unnamed device what it would like to be called. So she asked the board to name its own patents, right. really. Yeah. And the board replied with O-U-I-J-A, which, when pressed, was revealed to mean good luck. Right. Right. So obtaining a patent for a device to contact ghosts was understandably problematic, even in the 19th century. Okay. And when Elijah Bond had begun to file for these patents, the local patent office replied that they couldn't give a patent to something that was not just unproven, but untested. Right. And so Bond and his sister-in-law, who seemed to be very beautiful, by the way, travelled to Washington, D.C., where it was brushed aside multiple, multiple times. The Ouija board could have been like... The Beatles, you know, people that missed out on yeah, signing yeah. the Beatles. People yeah. missed out on patenting the Ouija board. But you don't get any credit for patenting something that somebody's brought to you. You, you don't get the credit for patenting it. No, but you might get the satisfaction. But that's different to the Beatles. Well, look, I'm trying to make it relevant. I'm trying to make it hip and happening See, to people. So, yeah. Like the hip and happening yeah, people. Yeah, using a, a modern pop group. <laughs> <laughs> but look, a relative of Helen's... Yeah said when this was all being investigated not Helen's too long the medium, ago, right? Helen's the medium, said that the patent office told them that they couldn't get a patent on Ouija unless they travelled to Washington to prove to them that it worked. They headed down and Helen sat at the board and inspector after inspector passed them on and up the chain because no one wanted to be the one to explain to the boss that they gave them the patent. And finally, it was the chief of the patent office came in and said, you don't know me and I don't know you. If this contraption can spell out my name, you've got your patent. And when the board finished spelling out his name, the chief got up and started to walk out. He turned around white as a ghost and said to them, you've got your patent. And he walked out in a hurry. Are you sure we've not told this story before on loopholes? We... Because I'll tell you what, you've 
definitely bored me with that story before. <laughs> de- de- definitely. Yes. I just don't know if it was a time that was being recorded. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to tell at this stage, no, isn't it? It really is, you yeah. know. I was thinking about this the other day, about the amount of things that we've discussed, and also things that have just been dropped into loopholes here and there, that weren't yeah. the theme of the episode. Yeah. But little anecdotal we've, stuff we've that's been definitely, dropped in. Yeah, we've definitely dropped in a lot of Ouija board content. Imagine if by episode 20 we're already repeating content. Oh, God, don't say that. No, imagine that, yeah. though. But by accident. Yeah. It's not that we haven't got... Stuff to talk about. Just told you, I've got six and a half hundred words there to read. For what I'm envisaging to be a four-hour special. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm slightly yeah. concerned now that we've discussed that before. Can someone tell us, listener, and you've been very chatty this week about your dreams, so do us a favour. <laughs> we've done you a favour listening to your dreams. So you do us a favour. Let us know. if Have we discussed that before? Yeah. You and I are in the process of listening back to all these episodes to vet them. Yeah. For public release. I've just got an awful feeling that, like, this week we'll just... We'll come across this story again and go, oh, no, we did. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very good story. I mean, how did that happen? How did they get his name? I mean, I can't imagine it was very difficult to find out who the head of the patent office would be. <laughs> well, I'm not saying <laughs> it might above have... the door. I was going to say... <laughs> <laughs> that one, those little sort of Toblerone-style signs yeah. on his desk. It's like walking into a pub with the landlord saying, if you could tell me my name, I'll give you a free drink. It's like, well, it was above the door. We don't want it. <laughs> So maybe. Well, I think the story of Helen, it's always worth saying anyway, because she was forgotten for so many years. Yeah, yeah. But, okay, but, but like, if, if you took a toy, because this is what, it was about it being a toy ultimately, or a novelty mm-hmm. item, as you yeah. say. Like, if, if a toy company nowadays go into the patent office with a design for, like, say, an aeroplane toy or whatever, mm-hmm. they don't have to, like, they don't go, we're not giving you the patent until you show us it can fly. No. Do you know what I mean? But I suppose if it was a plane that you said could contact ghosts. But then again, not long yeah, ago... Yeah, if you're just telling... If that's just the novelty... Yeah. Like X-ray specs. If that's just yeah. the novelty of it... And you know I've got a questionable collection of children's psychic games. I mean, I did a video on psychic pendulums for, yeah, yeah, yeah. for kids. Yeah. So you, why would you have to... Are we sure this isn't also urban legend? Maybe. Well, I don't know, because you do have a patent at the end of it. Yeah. You've got names that are recorded in official documents. You do, but you also have a story that would be considered to be a good thing to sell your products with nowadays. Oh, uh, you know, there's a bit of... Yeah. I think definitely saying you've got your patent is a cracking end yeah. to any scene anyway, isn't it? But if even if any of that even happened, mm. you know, because it's not like things could be cross-referenced in a way that they could nowadays. Yeah, how much and, of it is family law yeah. and how much of it is... And what it also does is it adds mm. weight to the well, the validity of the object. So, mm. so you go, this passed lots of tests. So this could be like a... This could have started as a throwaway lie mm. of someone saying, we, we couldn't sell this to you if we didn't have the patent, so we've obviously proved that it's real. Mm-hmm. And then the story's been expanded on and expanded on, saying, well, you know, we actually did... We had to go do a actual... Sitting at the patent's office. Yeah. You know, and it could just become like a a rolling thing that yeah. more and more things have got added to over time. Yeah. I just don't see why you'd have to do that to get a patent or something. That's the bit that's confusing to mm-hmm. me. Why would you have to? Yeah. What? Well, why would you have to prove that it does what it says mm-hmm. it does at the patent office if you're selling a novelty item? Well, I, I don't know. Maybe it was just... With spiritualism being at its height, mm. I think maybe there must have been an element of this is also a very controversial movement at the time. I don't want to be associated with that patent. And it wouldn't have been proof that it works, but kind of I don't want to be the one on my timesheet to have signed this off. Yeah, but I think also this idea that somebody at the patent office would be an authority on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that like... Oh, we better get the boss. The patent office deals with patents. Yeah. Unsurprisingly. <laughs> yeah. But not around a theme. It's like anything yeah. that needs patenting, they award the patent to. And their job is actually to find out if it's already patented. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if the thing is already... Same as yeah. trademarks, if you like. Yeah. If it's already got a trademark, or you know somebody else has claimed it already. Mm-hmm. Not to see if it works. Yeah. <laughs> I don't buy that. I'd say that's quite a glaring okay. loophole in that story because yeah. it's like, why, why would they... Why? It, yeah. does, it doesn't make sense for the patent office to demand to see that something works. Yeah. They're just there to see if the idea mm-hmm. has already been claimed. That's it. Well, I mean, it already had in many instances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, perhaps they had to say, 
prove to me that it's got a name that's different. But it, but it, doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's in if it's in operation already. Yes. In the yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter if it's not been patented. You can still claim the patent even if it's not your idea. Yes. You can if if somebody else hasn't done it. Yeah. So you can yeah, rob yeah. someone's idea. Plenty have and made the fortune. Trademarks they? is the same thing. Yeah. You know, you can rob the name of something. Yeah. If it's not already been claimed as a trademark, yeah. but. What happens with trademarks is is it's it's put into a holding thing. Mm. Basically, it's published on the trademark site, and people have I think it was three three to six months mm-hmm. to challenge it. Yeah. If they go, no, I should own that. That yeah. should be mine. I I wish to I wish to claim that. Mm-hmm. You know. So if it's someone's name, for example, someone wants to trademark Kate Cheryl, yeah. which I don't think they'd be able to do. Yeah. But. You could then go. Well, no, that's my name, yeah. and I operate and entertain. Well, it, it so. happened relatively recently with Kylie. Right. Okay. With okay. I think it was Kylie Kardashian. Yeah. That um, lip one in America. I don't know any of them. It's like a, a that Kardashian family. It was one of those. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, she wanted to trademark, or her people wanted to trademark the name Kylie. Right. But then, of course, where does Kylie Minogue come into this? So yeah. then there was quite a big public dispute over over ownership there. Yeah. I don't think either of them would have been asked to go in and prove that they could sink. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> but do you know what I mean? That's what I mean, though. That's the, if that's you the are the real Kylie, yeah, yeah. do the locomotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do the locomotion without Googling it first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, now, I must say I don't know whether patents have changed in the way that they work or, mm. or even that I've got that absolutely right myself. Somebody yeah. might say, no, you know, you do have to prove it. Yeah. Well, I there are know. plenty of unproven patents, though, aren't there? Like the the range of when there was a bit of a craze of safety coffins in the, right, okay, um, <laughs> in the eighteenth and nineteenth centuries. Yeah, 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 yeah. People were so worried about being buried alive, they yeah. create these strange contraptions with bells and springs. Just a bit, and of, a, bit of string and a bell. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, far more elaborate than that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I think a few of them were had never been tried. Right. Okay. Tried and tested. So I don't know. Where I don't know. That. I, I think that whole story smells a little bit off to me. Oh well, you're welcome. That was celebrity seance corner. No, but do you not think though? Like when I'm saying that, because I'm opposite you now, I can see yes. your face. Yes. And I know there's been things that I've said. Yeah. Where you've had a, like a little moment of what appeared to be realization of like, no, that doesn't make sense. Um, am I misreading you? Well, maybe, I don't think... Like, when I said about the patent office and yeah. all that, about, that's not a thing, having to prove... No. ...that it works. Well, maybe they just went in and hadn't written anything down, and went, they are. <laughs> that's mine. <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I don't know. It's it's frustrating, because you're working from so few little sources. Is it potentially research pareidolia? Have the people who've researched this over the years just started filling in the gaps themselves with and... Produce the narrative that they want mm-hmm. to. Perhaps, perhaps you know, and stories that are passed down through the family generally, you know, I can speak for my own family, become more fantastical or more extreme down the generations. So maybe there's an element of that. I don't think Helen went in the patent office. I do not. I don't think that happened. I really don't. Yeah. I certainly don't think he went. You got your patent, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly don't think that happened. Really, they don't make sense. They, like there might have, there might have been some element of, this is what we're patenting, and they're going, "Oh, show us how it shows what it does." Let's see. Yeah. But not to get the patent. But, no, but to reframe it dramatically through family law, that would make sense. No, it, it? It, it, it would do. But you see, again, if you just actually stop telling this as a story and think mm-hmm. about it as a reality, mm-hmm. it's quite plausible that they went to the patent office with this clump of wood. <laughs> And so, and they went, what is it? They went, oh, it's so you can speak to the dead. And they went, give over. And went, no, honestly, it's so you can speak to the dead. God, show us. And it's like this, going, hey, hey, Tom, Tom, Tommy, come here, come here. <laughs> the head of the company, come and look at this, come and look at this. What is it? It speaks to the dead, this, have a look at this. And they start messing about with it. And he goes, oh, oh well, well, you got your patent. And, and went out. That, that's quite plausible. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than this big dramatic, like the yeah. end of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? <laughs> Well, I'm hoping to see it a bit more like J. Jonah Jameson in Spider-Man. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, of course. bring me your patent, kid. Because you that know. suits the narrative yeah. and helps perpetuate the story and you're still in a job. <laughs> <laughs> you got your blood, kid. Yeah. <laughs> and that was Loopholes episode 20. 
which was all lovely and happy. And I don't even feel like we've recorded a podcast. Me neither. I feel like we've just sat here chatting and I'm going to now go and try and edit that yeah. into something for tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah. And then it will be, that's an episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've been contrary. <laughs> I've been yeah. argumentative. Sometimes with justification, other times just being mischievous. Mm-hmm. I apologise to all our listeners who have insulted <laughs> today. <laughs> For a joke. Yes. <laughs> I'm a bit tired. Yeah. I do still have a poorly hip. You do have a very poorly hip. It's not been fixed and I don't know what it is yet. So no. there's my mitigation for my yes. behaviour. I do yeah. apologise. Yeah. And also Kate has arrived with stories that are just nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> if you think about them for See, more than five I, seconds. I was going to compliment you there. I'd Thank say you. you were right trooper, but yeah. no, you're horrible boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's also true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you want to get in touch... And leave us loads of comments so we can't record another normal episode ever again. <laughs> Please do. You can obviously find us on either of our Patreons, patreon.com forward slash Ian Boldsworth and patreon.com forward slash Burials and Beyond. And you can find us on Facebook at Loopholes Podcast, Instagram at Loopholes Pod, Twitter at Loopholes Pod, and you can send us an email at loopholespodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us this week for this Loopholes Comments Spectacular talking about your dreams and a story that we might have told before. (laughs) I've been Ian Bolsworth. And I've been Kate Cheryl. We'll see you again next week. Bye. Bye. Loopholes is an Infinite Hermit production in association with Burials and Beyond with Kate Cheryl and Ian Bolsworth. Music by Thomas Funderay, produced by Ian Bolsworth. Loopholes.